It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. CSR-podden med Åsa Stenborg och Tobias Olofsson. So, welcome to CSR Pod, which today is in English actually. Yes, we have a guest that doesn't speak uh, Swedish, nor does we speak Dutch. So no. we speak English. Yeah, uh, that's unusually, but it will be that today. So uh, it's Peter Paul van der Weys. And he is Chief Communication Officer with GRI, Global Reporting Initiative. We might say Global Reporting Initiative is a reporting standard that most sustainability, many sustainability reports in Sweden use. All large companies, I think, all uh, state-owned companies yes, use definitely. the GRI. So it's well established in Sweden. And... I th- maybe we should put a warning sign for becoming slightly technical when we go into the conversation. So for all of those that are reporting geeks or wants to become reporting geeks, go ahead and listen and really enjoy. And this is interesting. It is interesting. Welcome, Peter Paul. Thank you very much for having me. We have the pleasure of fitting in the interview during a few hectic days in Sweden. And what brings you to Sweden and whom have you been meeting with? Well, we've been uh, touring almost the Nordic. We started off our our trip, my colleague and I, in Denmark at the Danish Institute for Human Rights on Monday. And then we took the train to Sweden, which gave us a a view Mm. of a large part of the the southern part of the country, at least, which was very enjoyable. And then uh, yesterday we've met with SIDA and the Global Child Forum. And today, uh, Jacob Kiefer, the Ambassador for Sustainable Development invited us for a conversation with Swedish companies and representatives of uh, accounting firms and so on. It was very interesting. Mm. Uh, You're Dutch yourself and you're working in Amsterdam? Correct. Uh, Do you also live in Amsterdam? No, I uh, um, live in Switzerland. I've been married for a couple of years and my wife uh, works in Switzerland. Uh, My son goes to school, so I commute. On Mondays I go to Amsterdam and Fridays I go back. Having said that, with the amount of travel I do for my job, um, Switzerland is as good a place to be based as Amsterdam. Not a far travel, anyhow. In the middle of Europe, everywhere. Correct. Basically. Yes. Uh, when arriving to Sweden, what is the most striking differences or cultural geekness that we have in Sweden? Um, I think you're better prepared for the weather. 
Oh. We had a lot of discussion about that. And, and if you look at the streets, how well uh, children and parents are, are prepared to deal with cold and dress up. And in, in especially in Amsterdam, uh, in Switzerland is different, but in Amsterdam specifically, every year it's like they reinvent the fact that it's been cold <laughs> and that you need to dress up for that somehow. Um, and on top of that, we've enjoyed the food tremendously so far. Mm, very nice. And we say the same every year. We kind of why? Why is this news? Why is there? There's always snow, and so we're kind of saying the same about yeah. us. Anyhow. Especially for the trains. The train has it been. It has come a lot of snow. Yes, but it's sun today, though. Mm. Let's talk it's about. It's gorgeous the, today. It, it's gorgeous. Yes, yes, it is a spring feeling. You are a true sustainability and communication professional. You are presently working with GRI, but you used to work with World Business Council for Sustainable Development. You have also been working with Lego. Yep. Uh, actually, we have interviewed the Lego Sustainability Manager and Dow Chemicals. But you were originally trained in communication and PR. When did you get into the sustainability track in your... Yes, so I'm the odd one of, of one of few people who have a degree in advertising. Mm. Um, That's kind of not relevant anymore, is it? Advertising. Oh, no. Sure yes. is. Okay, I like when I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they both kind of look at me like I'm stupid now. Okay, sorry. Uh, I mean, the, the skills you learn are, are, are very relevant. Um, the forms have changed quite mm. dramatically uh, mm. since I studied. Um, but I, I got engaged um, effectively from an early age on because I've always been engaged in social activities when I was studying and before that. So it was a natural transition. But when I worked at the Dow Chemical Company, this was the time that the sustainability reporting started and I was part of the sustainability team doing the communications for them. I also did actually the first sustainability report for Dow Chemical and was engaged with the initial conversation around GRI when it actually did not exist yet. Oh. So the circle is round when, when I joined GRI in June because uh, um, having been engaged with them and have been following their development for so long, joining them has been very interesting. A risk needing to stay there until the end then, because I, the, circle, the circle is formed, then you have to kind of know. That would imply that there is an end. No, okay, no, there's not. Okay, I ignore that. Okay, <laughs> we, we were talking to each other before and said that you are probably the best person ever to do this. Uh, we would like to hear a short, crispy, so-called elevator pitch about Global Reporting Initiative, the GRI. So the Global Reporting Initiative, um, thanks for the challenge, by the way, <laughs> um, is really uh, a system that, that normalizes, if you will, societal expectations for companies. And what it will allow you to do as a company, but also as other stakeholders, is to use a common language to discuss your behavior of, of, uh, of entities and how they behave and become more sustainable. And, and setting that uh, uh, standard for the conversation and having this common language allows a much more informed debate and also leads to better decisions around becoming more sustainable. Well, that, it was not so short, but it was crispy. So. Yeah, well, it, it was an elevator. I mean, yeah. it was an elevator ride. <laughs> yeah, you something? didn't say which floor. No, that's <laughs> true. I think there was like three or four floors at least, yeah, right? That's great. Yeah. So if we look inside the GRI organization, uh, Global Reporting Initiative is a non-profit organization. How many staff are you all together and how are you organized? Okay, so we're, we're a relatively small NGO, but we, we have a staff of about 110 people mainly based in Amsterdam, but we have also offices uh, around the world. 
where we uh, work collectively with companies and, and, for example, stock exchanges to understand how reporting can help uh, drive transparency and, and drive better decision making. So, so why are you in Amsterdam? Is it because you're from... <laughs> but he's not um, founding the no, He no. wasn't the founder of GRI. I uh, guess there's a reason. Um, there's probably a reason. It, it was started at the UN, um, uh, in the US. The UN got engaged with Cirrus, which is an organization in the US focused on sustainable investment, and came out of the discussions around uh, following the Exxon Valdez ex- uh, accident. And, and the question of how do you make companies more uh, responsive and, uh, and make more transparent what they do. And at some point the decision was made that, that the organization would be formalized and the Dutch government was one of the uh, governments that offered to host uh, the organization. So that's why we came to Amsterdam. Mm. Is it, I mean, 110 people is quite a lot for a non-governmental organization that's work with such a specific issue as reporting. Because in some way, reporting is a specific area or field. 110 people, is that government funded or how are you funded? Um, well, there's two, uh, two parts to the answer to that question. One, first of all, setting a standard and, and the way we do using a multi-stakeholder uh, approach requires a lot of resources because we want to be very thorough and we want to make sure that we get all, all the right stakeholders engaged. So. You can imagine that takes a lot of people to set up a standard and, and manage the development of the standard. So that's one of the reasons why um, we have the staff that we have. Mm. Um, to your question on, on the funding, we get about 30% of our funding through government grants and 70% through uh, services that we provide to companies. Ah. So either they become a member of our community where they can exchange ideas on reporting and, and there's a lot of peer learning going on, or we provide training on how to use the standards. And and, and, th- and the third element is services that we provide to help you make sure that the report meets the criteria that are set out in the standards. So we don't write reports for companies. Mm. We don't assure reports, but we help you make sure that you've ticked all the right boxes when you develop the report. Mm. You have recently celebrated half a year in the position in GRI, right? Yes. Uh, and that's usually a time when you start finding your way around and knowing all the people by, by name or something. Um, what have you found that is the real asset of the kind of GRI organization? It's the commitment from all the people in the organization to transparency and to trying to create a more sustainable world. Mm. And what is the weakness of the organization? Um, I I think the weakness is that we're not growing fast enough to keep up with the demand. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a weakness, but that's a rea- more I would more position that as a reality. Um, uh, societal expectations expectations are changing. Uh, we like to develop more standards more quickly, but there, that's where the limitations that we run into. So, so our ambition level uh, versus the reality of only 100 people. Yeah, so there is a frustration of wanting to become bigger, want improving stuff faster. Yeah, n- not for the sake of getting bigger, not like a corporation that wants mm. to be, become more profitable, but we believe that we want to uh, continue to develop our standards. So taking a step back, what are you gonna, what would you like to achieve within the coming three years? Oh, I, I think one of the things that, that, that I would like to achieve, is, especially with the two teams that I'm leading on communication and on uh, um, government affairs is, is we want to further strengthen the references and the uptake of uh, reporting in, in uh, legislative uh, instruments so that companies are more likely to start reporting. <coughs>
the first draft of GDRA standards was released in 1990, uh, and the first full version was released in the year 2000. Uh, GRE was one amongst many reporting standards that are out there, but how many un- other standards are actually out there? There are this kind of vast and big and large as GRI is. Wh- where we, who is your competition? To me, those are not the same questions. I, 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 so let's start with the first question. Okay. There, there I is, like is, when I, I'm making confusion questions, <laughs> yes. There are a lot of uh, disclosure requirements that come out of very specific corners in, in specific industries focused on yes. a specific effort. I think if you look at the bigger picture, who covers the whole range of topics of sustainability, it, GRI is by far the largest in terms of numbers of uptake and the companies, of people u- uh, companies using it. Um, the two other uh, frameworks that, that that come close are, in terms of topics, the uh, SESB in the US mm. and CDP, the formerly known the Carbon Disclosure Project. Um, but again, they, they, for example, only look at three topics specifically. So uh, the GRI standard has evolved during the years. And who, who is driving this change? We have a very... Um, elaborate and deliberate governance model where GRI as an organization doesn't drive the development of standards but our independent uh, global sustainability standards board the GSSB which is a multi-stakeholder independent uh, board that sets the direction for the standard setting uh, department and that ensures that there's due process followed that the uh, selection of topics are, are uh, fettered by that group and all that information is, is made public and very um, openly available for everybody to see. The present version of the reporting framework is uh, the GRI standards and there's a, a very significant step from the G4, the former version, to the GRI standards. Yeah. Uh, c- could you explain why? Yes. So. Th- when we launched the G4 standard, the big step forward we made was that, that we based it around this question of materiality. What is material to a company? If, and a company was supposed to report on, on the material topics. Um, that principle is, is still at the heart of our standards. But what we realized is if you ha- every time you have to update the entire set of the framework in, in, in order to launch a new standard, you're always too late. Uh, developments are quicker. So what we decided to do is is to turn it into a standard that allows us to be more flexible in terms of what we update currently and, and, and continuously. So we, we can now have our base set of standards, 101 to 103, um, we, which set out the basic framework for reporting and the principles and, and the management system. And then uh, once you've determined materiality, you report on specific disclosures on the topic that are material to you. Now, Let's take water, for example. There's a lot of uh, uh, debate has been around uh, water and, and, and the water issue over the years. So in June, we were able to update the water standard to reflect that, that latest thinking around water. So you made it into Lego, basically. So you can pick one piece and replace it by another and don't do the whole thing at once. Yes, building, Le- building Le- blocks. Le- Le- yes. Building. So if you got your certification for the G4 standard, so you this have is to... Yeah, this is a very personal question. a very personal question. If you got your certification for the G- G4 standards, do you have to do it again to understand the uh, new GRI standards? The, the new GRI standards, the yeah. Lego version. Lego. I understand this is a personal question, yeah. but yeah. of course the answer is yes. It's a very question for the two of us, actually. Exactly, it's what, what we experienced. Now, now you, you, you will realize that, that once you dive into it, there's a lot of things familiar. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. So we didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm. but yes, the, the things have changed. Do, do you would you say that there is an ideal uh, GRI user, for example, size of company or maturity and sustainability engagement or so on? I, I would hope not. I, I would hope that we tailor to the needs of of society at large in terms of uh, making it transparent, and that all companies will find ways to use our standard to engage in conversations and 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 to drive better decision making. Um, so no, no picking a, a size so, of so a company. No. No, no, big or small or no. older. So no country is uh, too small for to use this. No, I I do, I do believe in, and this is a is a criticism that we hear from time to time. Uh, it is a lot of work, and 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 nobody's going to argue that it's not. So it, it requires a, a level of resources to do it. So so that would be. Uh, a potential limiting factor. Okay, so look at your budget and the staff you have before you step into it, realizing that if I'm kind of jumping for the GRI reporting, I it will require more muscle, basically. Is it that could, what we're saying? It could, but, but you could also say, <laughs> as, as a small company... <laughs> didn't go for that. He said it first, and I'm going no, but, back. But, 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 but the, the notion that you can use the GRI standard initially to inform your internal decision making. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to already use a, uh, produce a full report, but starting with, with understanding the standards and starting the kind of questions that the market and, and, and society is going to ask of you is step one. Yeah. So so let's call that a cherry picking. If Is that okay to, to have a business say that I, I want to take this one and this one and this one, and those are specific and interesting for me? Is that what we, could we call it that? Is that a well, th- that could happen. Th- then you wouldn't do a GRI report, but mm. but you would at least use our standards. And on those topics, you you can engage with other people because yeah. you still have that common language on the, yeah. on the topic. But isn't I mean we, we've both been working with GRI reporting as well. And when I look at the G4 standard, it had 154 potential reporting points. When I downloaded the GRI standards, I downloaded 37 documents PDFs. Yes. And and it is kind of a, a large entity to go into. It is it's rather complicated, and many times you have to remind yourself, I am I have the usual intelligence of usual people, so I need to stick and understand. That was what I try to remind myself of yeah. going through the. It hasn't this fitting all and becoming the large kind of framework for a very complicated question also made it really hard to use. Um, not necessarily, because I, I think for, for for the sake of your argument, you skip o- over the the most important point of, of our of our standard model, which says you you start with the first three standards, one hundred one to one hundred three, mm. then you do your materiality analysis, and you only download and and read the standards that are reflective of those issues that you've determined to be relevant and immaterial to your company. But th- I think that's part of the point, because I th- I think you give an idea that I can pick and choose. I can cher- I can kind of find my own track. But when you get into it, it becomes a nested world. And it is hard to find that track. That's the kind of reflection of when from user-friendly perspective. And I, I see your effort, but I still see it's getting very heavy. Um, yes. And so, so nobody's going to deny that, that it, it requires a lot of work. I, I still believe that the way we're set up with the materiality as as a first step mm. to weed through 
Yeah. The, yeah. And, and make the selection. And then if you go to the standards, you'll actually see each standard has a set of mandatory disclosures mm. and additional disclosures, which is another way where you can choose depending on how important a specific issue is for you. But nobody's not said that it's not going to be any work. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, but I'm not questioning the work. I'm questioning the easiness of the work, actually. So I, I agree with, with the idea of also being benchmarked because work. And I agree with the idea of having a framework. We need some kind of framework. Yeah. But I, I feel frustrated that it becomes too technical and it becomes something that is put up on me instead of me being creative. Because that's my other point. I, I find that other, either you're a huge company that has the muscle to do this and they do it well. Mm -hmm. And they have strong enough to know what are issues. And they may tweak the GRI. They can use it and they can select because they're strong. But then you come to these middle-sized companies that aren't maybe experienced in it. And they don't have the... When meeting with GRI, it's so complete that it becomes the Bible. And you don't tweak it. All of a sudden, we're in Sweden and we're reporting on stuff that feels that this is not essential to me. A company who's been working with... Say, for example, I've been working with discrimination the last three years. It was an important issue for me. And the discrimination I've been focusing on is different nationalities. But I still need to report on gender issues of male and female. And why, if this has been my essential point, then then I know you're going to answer me by saying you don't have to. But the kind of the standard tells me to. So it oppresses creativity. It oppresses the idea of actually pushing through what is important for you. But the, the 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 base of setting the standard is is not what you want is is a reflection of, of the request from society. But society is and, different and in different we, places, and, yes. and and Swedish society is different to different and, places. And, we're and one business yeah. is different to another business. This is a big issue in Sweden right now. Yeah. So I need to adjust, and I need to adjust what's relevant for me. So this overloading of everything needs to be compared also becomes, I I can't do it. It becomes too much. I'm not even going to try. We we are trying to set a, a global standard that that's for used for as many companies and, and situations as possible. There there are always going to be uh, pushbacks on, on some ends, but I think what we've been able to do is is have using a modular system that that is as flexible as possible. And and of course there's always going to be situations where you think, well, this isn't quite fit for me. But I think the strength of our, of our uh, standard is is that it is. Um, set by by a broad um, set of multi-stakeholders that it is globally applicable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- there are inherent challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think I think I'm coming to the point of saying, fit all may uh, actually reflect in doesn't fit anybody. And we had uh, Torbjörn Westman who we met this morning, uh, the auditor for KPMG, and he reflected by saying, I don't think <laughs> this is. I feel really mean. <laughs> Yeah. He said, "I'm not a believer of the of the kind of the large scope reporting. I believe we need to have different kind of sets for different issues because they become sharper, and especially for him that goes in and kind of digs down into specific issues. So the big is not going to fit. We have to have those specific. What would be your? Um, you talked. You met him this morning. Did you I, say I, that? I met him this morning. But, but I, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't. Um. Probably he didn't say that. He said it to us. We're no, gossiping he, he, now. He, he, he made similar comments, and 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 I, from an assurance perspective, I can see that." He's struggling. So Torben did make a similar comment this morning, and I think it's important to realize that, that again, the standard is is a, is a way of setting a, a common language to conversation. You still need to have that conversation. You might want to have additional uh, um, topics to be discussed, but the, the, what we see here is also a reflection of, of the development of the standard. 
this is why we're constantly revel- uh, uh, developing. And, and if you look at uh, the parallel with the financial industry, those discussions were there in the beginning as well. And at some point, we need to settle on a set of standards that we start reporting on and then have the follow-up conversation. And Torben understands that pretty well. Mm. So is this opinions that you meet a lot? Or is it the first time that no, you hear possibly this stuff by. that Osa is telling you now? <laughs> I mean, I, I would presume that you would meet these opinions quite a lot. Well, we heard the, the, the point that, that it's quite a bit of work mm. and that it's complicated. Yes, we, we hear, hear that a lot. Um, the pushback is um, if we make it too simple, then then, then the, the, the pushback will be, well, this is too simple. It's not telling us anything. So we're constantly trying to find that balance between detail and, and and broad uh, uh, topics and and that's a balance and and that's a difficult game to play. But mm-hmm. I think we're striking the balance pretty well. But it's it's also something that's on our radar that we constantly look at to see if we can further improve. When you're doing your material questions, and I like the material questions, so let's be honest by that. I like the idea that a business should actually say what is essential to me in my business and what I'm doing, and that is a ser- kind of a eternal search of of finding those issues. Uh, you focus at asking the stakeholders. There is lots of kind of stakeholders dialogue. The idea is that me as a company would then talk to my the world around me and say, what are the important issues for me? And stakeholders is kind of a theory, could we call it a theory? Kind of a method, a method maybe? Mm-hmm. A method that you would talk to people that influences you and that are influenced by you, right? Yeah. Uh, who are the most important? The people that influence the business or the people that are influenced by the business? I think from our material definition, is, 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 it is the impact on the people that, that, the, that the business has on the people. Yes. So, so the inf- not the, the people that influence the business, but the other way around. So the owners would not be, in many cases, a very important group, because owners are sometimes kind of they influence the business, but they aren't that influenced by the business. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. For our definition of materiality, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We also have uh, a lot of science-based frameworks, like uh, the planetary boundaries, the natural step principle, and the donuts, and so yeah. on. Uh, why not? Why not use them instead of the stakeholder dialogue? I, I think th- those frameworks are uh, being brought into the discussions when we develop new standards and, and, and new thinking that comes out of those frameworks. It, we try to reflect in, in our standards, but again, w- we are trying to take the full set of, of um, stakeholders um, when we develop the standards, so that thinking is brought in, just like c- circular economy, for example, is now being brought into the development of our new waste standard. So we take the thinking on board and, and through the stakeholders that we gather to develop a new standard that, that's being brought in. Okay, because when, when you're asking the stakeholders, uh, isn't there a risk that you get answers that are, depends on media storms rather than uh, large cross-sectional changes, which is what we actually need? Um, w- you mean when the company asks the stakeholders yeah. in their materiality assessment? If they do the process correctly, they would have hopefully uh, built in some uh, security steps to make sure that, that they go beyond the latest news report. And and just, for example, as we do when we do our, our multi-stakeholder uh, process to develop standards, we, we bring together key thought leaders and then we put the, the standard out for public comment for a long period of time to ensure that we have all the voices heard when we develop the standard. Mm. 
But listening to what you're saying now and and saying the stakeholders that are most important are those that influences the, that are influenced by the company. I think very often when I read GRR reports, they kind of done a very shallow then analyze of who are the stakeholders, and and then saying what you're saying now that we have to go beyond their opinion of today. I think there's a I think there's a large risk that you get stuck with the people that influences you meaning your owner your customers and those media and that you become rather detail instead of the driver of your of your sustainability agenda and I even have that experience of a large scale company who uh, kept on having a very kind of ambitious and interesting stakeholder dialogue for the sustainability department. But what happened was that the business understood that we can develop and we can actually solve all the sustainability challenges. So the business kind of advanced, they speeded ahead the sustainability department because they were still doing dialogue with everybody else. And why not kind of push in the sustainability kind of science that is in there, getting into business and say, these are the big challenges for you. It's kind of a more black and white way of doing it. Why, why do that? Instead? Why skip out the stakeholders, put in the science and go? That's quicker. Um, is it? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I sincerely believe so. But, but uh, again, go back to our role in this this conversation. We are the uh, standard setter, so we dry, try to drive the standard for uh, a conversation with, with stakeholders, with, with, with investors, what have you. But the stakeholders will not be informed. That's my that's my essential point. That but, few so, stakeholders so, will see the essence of what needs to be happening. So, so my my point, my the point I was trying to make is that, as a standard setter, our role is to 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 define the what of the conversation. We are as concerned as you on some of the qualities of the reports that come out of it. So what we can do is make the, the standards as clear as possible, uh, be as clear as possible how you should do a stakeholder engagement process. How that's then actually done by companies. That's where Turbine and, and friends come in to help make sure that the processes that they use are, are assured and, and appropriate. And I would follow you in every step of the way and say you are the, the standard setters. You would then have the optimal process. And I'm saying maybe you don't even have the optimal process anymore. Maybe you need to skip out the stakeholders and put in the science because science is out there right now. This wasn't true like 10 years ago, but it is true very much now. When Dow made their first sustainability move, they went with the natural step framework and had an internal row saying, what is the important issues for us? And especially interesting in a chemical industry where many stakers are, are overly negative and would not see the essence of why should we have a chemical industry, which we know we need to have, but it has to be different. I think this intern- the power of internal change when you can use a science-based framework makes a hell of a difference. Yeah, and and what we try to do is is, is incorporate that science-based thinking in our, in our in our standards. And but I'm suggesting just for the replace record, da, it. Da, da, da we stepped <laughs> step back from the TNS and actually went to the GRI report. Yeah, yeah, but pretty quickly one after, does not so. one does not replace the other. Yeah. I'm saying the method, and and I think you can do the two. That's my point. I think you can do the two things. And I think when a reporting entity sets out to identify the the essential questions, I think you're having a mistake because I think the sustainability worker, that whatever sustainability force you have at a company, pre-deciding to report has to set out the essential questions. And I'm, I'm saying maybe we're trying to make the tail drive the dog in having the dog drive the tail. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not the reporting who should stipulate what we should be doing. It is the strategy, the sustainability strategy and the business 
who should be deciding. And then you can use GRI as becoming compatible with others. But isn't that what I just said? Well, maybe. Do we agree, Tobin? You have to be well, the judge of this. Because, because <laughs> I, 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 I do, I think that's the point. There's a standard set that we can define how you measure and report transparency and 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 we can define what is expected in in larger society what as a company you do the company still has to take its own strategy in terms mm. of what it wants to achieve and 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 science based targets are definitely part of that just as we try to be as science based as possible in our standards it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So is there several, could there be different way of interpret uh, the GRI standards? I mean, it sounds like that. That you, you see the GRI standards as uh, something to work with and from, and you see it as a, a thing that forces companies to do it in the wrong way. I, I think the massiveness of the debate around, because I think it's massive and I think it's important, but I think there is a, a too much attention given to reporting. I'm going to be very unfair to you now, because what we need to talk about is instead a business strategy and having business be part of solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the dog has to be led by the nose, not by the tail. And I think very much in sustainability world has been focused around reporting. And it's by you know it's like it's like telling your son you can go out and I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can spend the night and here's 100 crowns or 200 or 500. I'm not going to tell you anything what to do. But you're gonna, when you come back, we're going to have a discussion of what you've done. And I think it's kind of unfair to the businesses. And I but, don't but think... But actually, uh, how, how can that be a, a standard organization's problem? Well, I think... and uh, No, it can't be. And I agree with that. But I think the standard organization, this was my kind of nail when, when, when we had the training, was that the standards organization has taken up upon itself to define a process in which defining the strategy. And I think that way, that's where we go wrong. I think the strategy of what you're doing in your sustainability must be before. We must be having earlier. And then you report what you've done. No, and that's like telling your son, this is my moral. This is what I want to achieve. You can do this. You can't do that. Go out. Do your business. Okay. A year has passed. What have we done? I, I think that, that that's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of the role of the, of the materiality analysis. We mm-hmm. don't, as a standard setter, give you the guidelines on how to set your strategy. 
we're, we're just, just, just giving uh, through our standards a, a standardized set of, of, of indicators that, that allow you to have conversations with various stakeholders. So your strategy is still your, your own. But why would, if I decided my strategy, a year has passed, why would I then have a discussion with my stakeholders whether or not this was my material questions? I've already done it. It's done. No, and no, I, if you offer me standards of reporting it so I can compare one business, uh, one company to another, yes, I agree completely with that. But, but because our standards define your material impact on society at large, it doesn't define your business decision, what kind of products you want to make or, or where you make it. But it, isn't it, this the same? No, isn't because it, same? it talks about the impact of your operations and your organization on society at large. Now, you still have your responsibility as a producer of, of a good to decide what good you want to make, what markets you want to solve. But so we, we, don't, we, we, we don't help with that. Yeah, but if you internalize sustainability as we want to do in businesses, mm -hmm. isn't sustainability in that business analysis of what I'm going to make, how I'm going to make it? That's, well, that's part of hope. your business decision. So it has to be kind of happening before. And that's where the material questions are important to have. But, but, but that's a different kind of materiality. The materiality of your company and the materiality to society are, but isn't are, are that different the same? Isn't, the, isn't sustainability a way of looking at the world of saying, my responsibility is larger than I thought saw before? It's a, sustainability in itself is a method of widening the scope over time and over perspective of my responsibility. I see my impact before I do it. I see my impact on the future generation. That's the essence of. So, I, 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 again, I, I think as a standard setter, we, we are not in the, in the business of helping you develop your strategy. I think w what's relevant to this conversation that we're having today is I think where we started by specifically 20 years ago looking at the company's impact because that was the, the problem initially we tried to solve. I think what we see now in terms of a trend and which I think is where we need to go is that we're now much more looking at um, what we call data users. So, so people, what, what do they do with that information in the report? One of the users is the strategy department in the company. Mm -hmm. So now that we know the impact of our current operations, is that what we want? Is that where we want to go? Or do we, do we as a company with our beliefs and values want to change our behavior? Well, the reporting and, and, and the standards uh, give us an indication of what our current impact is. The question whether or not you appreciate that impact and you think that's the right impact, that's a strategic decision. The, the other part that we see now in terms of, of interest is we now start seeing investors looking at, at, at your, your, your uh, material impacts and say, well, hang on, as an investor, that's not the kind of impacts that I want to support. So again, another data user is now using the data. What we do as a standard setter is facilitate that conversation because both discussions are now being taken and, and, and driven by the same set of data, the, 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 the same definition of what an impact is. And, and that's, what we, that's our role in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Our role is not to set the standard per se, uh, for, or sorry, the strategy mm -hmm. per se, nor is our role to set the investment strategy per se. Mm -hmm. But we have, by having that standard, created a common understanding and a common language where those two now can talk together. Let's move on. <laughs> Why is it important to do annual reports on sustainability? Um, I think the question is why is it important to do reports? The, the question of, of, of frequency is... is, is um, so it's not necessary to do it on a yearly basis? No, in the, 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 depending on the impact, there, there might be a, a higher frequency 
uh, desirable um, or not. M but, more, but I, more, I, more frequently, more, but more not, frequent, not yeah. less frequently than a year. But, but yeah, but but that's going to depend on the topic and the availability of the content. But ideally, there are topics where where you you want to or or, or would have a benefit from providing more regular updates. Hmm. Hmm. Do you have a strong opinion uh, of uh, the on on auditing of the sustainability reports? How you do it? Should it be done? I mean, that's. Uh... I, I, I think we asked this because we have had a discussion before because we don't have that uh, uh, demand in Sweden no, to audit. But, well, the, the law of uh, big businesses being required to do sustainability reporting did not include the auditor to actually check Correct. the report. It, it required the auditor to check that there was a report, a sustainability yes. report, but yeah. not to actually check it. And I think there are countries in Europe that requires an actual audit of the sustainability report. Uh, Italy or I think France. we were at France. Yeah. 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 So do you have an idea? Do you have an opinion that it should be auditor or not? Does it matter to you? Or do you have kind of an idea about it? Well, I I th I, I think an audited report will add um, a level of trust to the report. So in that sense, I, I think there's value in there. And we are actively engaged in, in trying to define what sort of standard of assurance would be. Because I, I think what we see currently is that um, it's hard to assure the report because an assured standard, as you would have for, for example, financial reports, doesn't exist at the moment. So it's something we're looking into as an opportunity. What, in your opinion, should be the most uh, important target group for annual sustainability report? I, I don't like to rank uh, audiences <laughs> per, 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 per se, but, but I, I, I think, to name a couple, I, th I think internal management is an important audience. Staff at large is an important audience. I think depending on your material topics, it could be the community you operate in, it could be your, your, your business partners, it could be the investment community. So it, it's very hard to rank them necessarily. It, it depends it, it, on what company you're it, talking about. Yeah, on your, bus your business model and, and your material topics, yes. Mm. I just found that in my experience that when you come into a company and you ask who is the target audience for this report that we're going to make, the answer is very often everybody. and a report that is targeted towards everybody becomes nobody's basically because it's not you know it's not yeah. sharp enough or yeah. kind of clear enough or it speaks another language yeah. w would you agree with that how the dilemma of being everybody's yeah and i i, I absolutely and I, and i think every company will have actually have in the back of their mind, a set of prioritized uh, audiences. They should. Having, they having worked have, in communication yeah. departments for most of my life, uh, you'll have your preferred or, or your, your, your ranked uh, audiences, yes. Okay, that, that should be there, actually. Do you know how, many, how, how often a sustainability report is actually used or read? Is there any kind of, I don't know, <laughs> science on it do we have an impression because there is a lot of effort put into it yeah. as you said yes so how often is it used and by whom well 
No, we in in the sense that 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 we, do we have numbers uh, of 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 who use it? No, because just as our standards, we have only limited idea of how many pe- companies use it because it's a public good. Mm. Um, the moment you put a report out as, as an organization, it also becomes a public good. So it's very hard. But we have anecdotal evidence that uh, the financial sectors are beginning to look at it more. We know civil society is looking at any uh, uh, much mm. more. So we, as I said, the trend that we see is is that that there is is more demand for reports and the data in the reports by yeah. uh, larger groups, and and then thinking about how the pace of communication, because I think there is a a challenge here of saying mm-hmm. that we're going to have an annual report and it's uh, usually end of year. Then we're starting writing it, and by March it's out there. And by March, in the kind of flow information flow that we're having today, it's old news. It's kind of past news. Who wants to speak about last year in March when you're in the new year? You kind of, it's a, would you kind of, would that make, is that a kind of thing you see of reports need to be done differently and faster and more often? Or how can we change that cycle so it doesn't become old when we believe in, here's the news of our three months old, you know. I mean, There is first of all, there is always the element of actually producing it, so, so things take time. Yes, it does, um, and that's inherent in the model. Um, for a lot of the information, because it's uh, as important as the actual data is the narrative. How do you get there? That narrative is still relevant. So, could I see in the future uh, more frequent reporting? Absolutely, and technology will allow that. But I, I think we shouldn't underestimate the value of the narrative that's been captured with that data and in that data that, that's part of the story. And that's relevant longer than just at one point in time. Okay, so the, the narrative by reading what's between the lines when you read the report is maybe more important than the actual numbers that you're saying now. Depends on the topic, but I, I think as, as a company, but also as a stakeholder, you're interested also to see uh, what is the company doing different to improve its performance. Okay. So so if in 10 years, if we meet, I'm just kind of a, a, have a spur of the inspiration. This is an invite. No, this is, yes, this <laughs> is definitely welcome. an invite. Anytime in 10 years. No, no, I'm, I'm kind of seeing into the future saying maybe in 10 years, the GRI will be a huge database where you can put in your numbers and they're fresh and they're about a month or three months old or whatever. And by annual, you do a narrative where you actually put the numbers into a context and the context or the narrative is much shorter and sharper but the numbers are actually data-based kind of a flow is that going to happen i think that's definitely possible now it, it will not be gri who runs the database why not um because um as a standard setter that's not our role necessarily and that becomes a commercial model that that um i don't think is is our place to do but i could see i could see much more web-based applications that allow for faster update and and then the communication pieces around it that tell the narrative mm. can have different forms I, I, we are in that sense not limited to form or describing as a standard set of what the form is we just say if this is a material topic this is how you should report on it mm. how you report on it I, i think technology moves so fast that um We have both of us have no idea how no. it will look in ten years. But would you welcome that change? Would that be a welcome change for you? So if I tomorrow set up the GRI database, 
got so many things to do now. Uh, the GRI database where everybody can enter their number and it's quick and it's user friendly and it's gamification inspired or whatever. You, you would haven't say, mentioned blockchain yet. No, well, that's true. Let's throw in blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> would you welcome that kind of that Absolutely. database? Listen, the Caesar pod the, database. The, start, the starting point for, for our standard is that we want to inform uh, a global debate and, and, and decision making. So the easier available for more people the data is, the happier we are. Hmm. He said we should start it, actually. Yeah, Torbjörn, we, 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 we got stuff to do. Consider that after the show. You might need a bigger computer than you have that. So uh, in your role, you have a very global perspective of the sustainability development. And since sustainability is not really one issue, but a large bundle of many, we would like your input on, on what countries or what country are the front runners in some sustainability issues. So, so you, yeah, are you ready? Here, com- here it comes, clean energy. Are you on the topic? Yeah, country by yeah. Topic? yeah. we will um, make a list here. Ah, These countries are the best in clean energy. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that. Uh, because sure, you I, can. You see the global perspective. Yes. So, so I, I, the, the, as, as a GRI representative, I, I, I can't give you that information because we don't value the output of the reports. I, I can tell you that I think the Nordic countries are leading. And in terms of reporting, I can tell you that I was, for example, impressed with uh, the commitment that I heard this morning talking to Swedish companies and, and how they, they take uh, reporting and, and their responsibility serious. And they raised some of the questions you raised here today. And, and I think those are the right questions to debate. So I, I think in terms of reporting, I can say that, that the Nordic countries and Sweden uh, leading the pack there is, is, is very strong in reporting. Mm. But you, could, you couldn't tell it on uh, separate questions. It's, it's not yeah. like in your discussion you would see that, yes, we get most questions regarding this from this country. And this is where they want to push the standard further. Because in your stakeholder dialogue, you would have the potential of seeing... Uh, the interest of specific industries or specific countries? Yeah, well, con- countries, yes. Industry, not necessarily, because we, we try to make sure that no industry or country is overrepresented in any of the debates because we want to try to get this global consensus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that sense, no. I, I would have to go back to some of the feedback, and, and if you were to analyze the feedback on any specific issue, you would probably get to a ranking there, but I don't have that uh, present. Not mm. in mind. No. So there is no use to ask you about clean energy, climate change, he human said, rights. He said in his former position, he said China on clean energy. <laughs> That's actually no the Nordics. No, actually no clean energy. You had an opinion that China is actually really developing on clean energy and solar power. We're here today. No, in an, in an early interview that he made when he used to work with the at the business, bu- council. At, at the yes, business council. Yes, at yes. That, at that time. At that time, you did. But this is six years ago. Oh, okay. uh, China so was, was definitely stepping up yeah. on, on the development of, of clean energy technologies. Yeah. Um, but that's a data ago. point from six years ago. Yes, so truly, truly. Yeah. So, so the, the one point that we got your answer was on the reporting of sustainability, that way you found that the Nordic countries are quite good. Yes, Yes. And the yeah. other points we have to just drop, I guess, then. Yeah. Definitely. Let's drop Human rights, <laughs> circular economy, food security, and so Leave on. Leave the questions. Well, Leave in the in questions. terms of ranking, yes, I, I think those are all very important mm. topics. Mm, of course. Yes. When working with sustainability, uh, and I think what, when you describe the GRI organization, there is this commitment to sustainability and the commitment, the, uh, the understanding that we need to drive 
the pace of change when it comes to sustainability. Yeah. And there is the frustration that we need to do more. And I think this is something yeah. where we kind of all share that are engaged yeah. professionally with sustainability and not only professional, everybody can understand and see the potential for or the need for change. Do you have a kind of despair and say it's not fast enough? It's not we're not doing the right things. We're having the wrong debates. Do you even get into that gloomy room? Only very briefly. Very briefly. Very briefly. I'm 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 more and more a fan of Hans Rosling's statement that we should take it from a positive angle. Yes. I do see a lot of of of, of good news, and and again this morning in in that conversation we. We talked about the, the the burden of reporting, but then at the same time, one person says, yes, it's too much. And, uh, and then uh, one side of the room says, well, well, hang on, on that specific topic, I need more. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, know, mm. I understand that. But, but then here, the debate is happening. Is it going fast enough? No, I think we all think it should go faster. Mm. Mm. Uh, um, but does that make me gloomy? No, because I do think that we're definitely going in the right direction. And now seeing uh, stock exchanges taking up ESG reporting as as mandate for listed companies, seeing Italy basically making it uh, uh, mandatory for all their country uh, companies, mm. um, seeing Sweden looking at the uh, NFI directive from Europe and saying, no, the threshold of 500 plus employees is uh, not good enough. We'll reduce it to 50. Mm. So I see a lot of good. I see a lot of pro- uh, progress that I think is very encouraging. <coughs> Could you pinpoint one thing that actually really inspired you when you said you you kind of um, you're an optimistic person, so yeah. your optimistic level is quite high. But would you say there is something that recently kind of I looked at this and I said yes, this is maybe something you return to when you go into your gloomy room of saying okay, this will inspire me to go further, do more. Um. Can we do that question later? I need to think about it. I think it's a great question. <laughs> but it's the last question. It's no, I, ha- I actually <laughs> really? have more questions. Oh, so. he has another really, question. Really? Well, let's go into that question. Yeah. Yeah. Then, Tobin, you got the... Well, uh, you have been here in Sweden now for a couple of days, you yep. said, and you're traveling back tonight. Yes. And uh, what will you do next week? What, what challenges do you have ahead of you? Um, <laughs> the first challenge is to um, get agreement on Friday on the outline and the topics for our ne- upcoming global conference. Mm. So so as GRI, every three years we organize a, a big global conference around transparency and, uh, well, we're kickstarting that, that on Friday and getting but everybody... Where will it be held? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Four Is it always in four, Amsterdam? Um, it has always been in Amsterdam. I think um, hopefully the next one will be outside of Amsterdam. And what date? You were about to say the dates. Uh, March 4 to 6, 2020. 2020. Okay, we'll have to schedule that in our calendar then, 2020. You could live podcast from Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, we would love that. <laughs> we'll come anytime. That would be really nice. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. So let's go into your gloomy room then. What what is uh, what would inspire you when you, you're in a gloom of saying sustainability is actually not working well? It could be personal and it could be kind of large issues, but it could be something where, where sustainability isn't working. Well, well when you feel that, okay, it's not fast enough. I I have a down day and I want to look at this video clip or I want to, whatever that kind of sets. This is... Well, I'm, I am concerned when I watch some of the, the, the global political news at the moment where for political reasons, topics like climate change are downplayed. Yes. That worries me. It worries me that we had a COP in 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 Poland at, at the place where, which was uh, too much focus on, on coal. Mm. Um, those things worry me. Yes. 
uh, at the same time uh, on the positive side. Mm. When I see uh, research on, on consumer behavior and uh, value-driven consumer behavior, and you see the, especially the, the younger generations taking a much more positive view on, on this and even rethinking uh, what the three of us have taken for granted as consumer mm. behavior, uh, I think that's very positive. So the next generation inspires you? The next generation uh, definitely further inspires on. us, yes. Lovely. Thank you very much that you came to us. My pleasure, I enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 